Welcome to the SCMRC LEAD podcast, featuring epic supply chain lessons from our industry partners. I am your host, Donnie Williams, Executive Director of the Supply Chain Management Research Center and Clinical Assistant Professor of Supply Chain Management at the University of Arkansas's Walton College of Business. I'm excited to be joined today by uh, a man who's become a friend uh, since I've been here, Mark McIntyre, who's a Senior Vice President of Operations at TransPlace. Mark, thank you for being on the get, uh, on the podcast. I've been looking forward to having you here. And so why don't you tell our audience a little bit about who you are? Tell us some of your history and how you ended up working in supply chain management. Well, first of all, Donnie, thank you for uh, joining me this morning. It's always a pleasure to interact with you guys uh, and yourself, for sure. You've been a great partner of ours for the last 18 months. Um, you know, I'm... I've been in TransPlace for about 16 years. I've been in the industry for, um, I say 32, uh, and then I usually say I started when I was 10 years old, so you can do the math, but uh, it's been a really great journey for me. Um, at TransPlace, I, uh, I oversee our TM enterprise business, um, kind of end-to-end transportation uh, solutions for some really iconic, just incredible organizations, many of which are on your uh, supply chain management research center board. Um, so that's, that's really cool. Um, you know, Northwest Arkansas is, is kind of our largest operations center. We're in the midst of building a new building here locally. Uh, and it's, it's been a great ride. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about how I got started in supply chain. It's, you know, when you talk to people, everyone has a unique story and, most of them didn't start out thinking they were going to be in supply chain, and I'm really no different. That's what I, I actually love to hear that story about people because you meet so many professionals and they just kind of fell into this, right? Yeah, and so <laughs> for, for sure, and that's that's the same with me. So um, went to college, Arkansas State University. Uh, don't worry, I'm a Razorback through and through. Um, but you know, um, graduated in three years and, and had a really good friend that I, that I went to school with. I'd known my whole life that that took a job in supply chain, graduated about a year before I did. And and I heard so many stories from him about, you know, how great the job was. It, it was a competitive environment, which really attracted me. Um, and then, you know, I graduated um, about two weeks before graduation. Um, this small town boy from Northeast Arkansas, had never even been on a commercial plane before, uh, flew to Dallas to interview, only interview I ever had. Um, with one of the largest asset providers in, in North America. And um, I thought I did okay, flew back home, um, started preparing for finals. About two days after the interview, I got a call at 7 o'clock in the morning. And as you know, a lot of college kids, 7 o'clock in the morning, I, I was asleep. <laughs> and so um answered the phone, uh, and it was a terminal manager uh, at a location in Dallas, Um you know, they had started up a new facility down there and they were looking to kind of build out their, their staff. And, and he said, Hey, you know, you did really good in the interview. I've just got one more question for you. I'm like, okay, uh, when can you start? And, and that's just, that's how it began. You know, um, I, I for, I, I did the whole, I'll forego the graduation and I'll start the Monday, uh, following the phone call. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even walk to get my diploma. They mailed it to me. Uh, cause I was really anxious to get my career started and, um, very competitive. And so I, I went into this thinking, you know, there's how many people that do this job in the, in the country? How can I be one of the best? And this is way before technology. We kept up with trucks on a grease board mm-hmm. with magnets and, and white array, you know, erasers. Right. 
And um, it's funny, uh, every the, at the last minute of every uh, month, you know, 1159, last day of every month, over a fax machine, the statistics for every person that did my job in the company came across. Yeah. And it was utilization, uh, miles per gallon, turnover, all that, uh, idle, overspeed. And uh, I would literally set my alarm at 1130 and drive up to the terminal at midnight <laughs> and watch it come across the fax machine uh, to see where I stood. And I did that for close to a year. And then uh, about about a year and a half into it, uh, got transferred to Northwest Arkansas um, and, and have moved a lot. I've moved 11 times in my career. That's, you know, I talk to your students about this mm-hmm. a lot is, you know, lean in and, and be flexible. And uh, sometimes the uh, the road to the top is not a straight line. It's a circular staircase. And so I've certainly taken that road along the way. So I love to talk to uh industry professionals who have as much experience as you do. And so you're talking about, what, 30 years now? 32. 32 (laughs) in this industry. And so um, talk to me a little bit about the changes you've seen in the industry over that time. Because, I mean, wow, right? (laughs) You're talking about grease boards and and wide eraser market. Things have changed so much. It's it's unbelievable how much things have changed. You know, um, technology um, people, you know, people talk about how we're in a technology renaissance now. And uh, in COVID, you know, I've heard some folks say uh, we had three years of technology advancement in three weeks. Uh, but over 32 years, you know, you see a lot. Um, you saw the uh, introduction of uh, EDI. Mm-hmm. You, you saw onboard computers. You know, there was none of that. You know, I, one of the first things I did uh, when I took this role 32 years ago is they put me on a truck for three weeks Mm -hmm. and I would sit outside in snow and rain and call and it'd ring and it would ring and and you, you know, you put on hold for 30 more minutes and uh, all the driver unloads and uh, that that's, you know, it's a tough job. The driving job is incredibly tough now. uh, But back then it was, uh, it was in in my mind, it was brutal. Right. Um, And so you've seen a lot of that and, I would say it was a relatively, uh, from a technology standpoint, fairly dull space for a while. Mm-hmm. But in the last five years, five, ten years, I really talk about the renaissance of technology and the supply chain a lot because it's a daunting task just to keep up with everything that's going on from just a new emerging technology standpoint. Uh, and we're certainly at TransPlace trying to keep our eye very close to that. And uh, we've got a group that uh, oversees product, and they're constantly bringing new emerging solutions to the table to see if it would drive value for us as well as our customers. So, Mark, let's talk a little bit about, you know, one specific internal innovation that you guys really worked on. And so I believe it's called the TransPlace Platform Services. Uh, uh, is that a division, an app? What is it? Just or serve service? Or I, I don't really know what it is, but I know it's something that you guys are really proud of that you've been rolling out. Tell us a little bit about how you guys kind of arrived at the conclusion that you needed something like this and how it's been developed and what kind of benefit it offers. Yeah, I'm really glad you asked me about uh, its platform uh, solutions, TPS. Um, it's It's been uh, probably a little over a year uh, that it's, it was developed. And, um, you know, when I think about from an IT standpoint, it's more than just the TMS at TransPlace. It's it's really the platform and, and what's in the platform. So in the platform, you get um, artificial intelligence. 
you get health scores on every load. So we've got risk prediction literally on every shipment in our system. And it can be based on weather, infrastructure, congestion, lots of different variables. Um, and then you get the control tower and everything that's inside of that. And so we developed the platform solutions so that um, large multinational, uh, call it Fortune 100 shippers, could get value from TransPlace without having to uncouple from their legacy systems. Many of them are highly leveraged on large legacy systems. They can't unplug. There's just too much investment in that. Uh, and so this gives them a way to plug into our platform and take advantage of things like uh, data and analytics, benchmarking. We can literally benchmark about anything you can imagine, mm -hmm. service, cost, accessorials. Um, so there's, there's that. There's the visibility tool that comes along with the control tower with lots of exception management built into it. There, there's the continuous moves uh, piece of the platform solution. So uh, it's been a really successful launch in the last 12 months. We've invested, you know, 2X um, of our technology investment in the last three years on just this type of technology. We bundled it together and it's it's almost a cafeteria menu. Mm. You know, if you if you know, if there's forty things on there, you can take advantage of. But you've already got you know five of them covered off on. Maybe you only select ten from the menu, and we bundle them up, and, and you get value out of those. So, pretty exciting. Like I, of all the things we've innovated over time, um, this this is one area that I think is going to make a big splash and really helps us build out that freight under management in that platform because, again, the more scale you have, the more opportunities you have to uh, collaborate, innovate, and, and just drive value in general. So one of the things I love to at least dig into a little bit when I'm asking, when I'm hearing about new innovations like this is, uh, why and how did you guys, well, maybe how did you uncover the need for this? And why did it make sense to do it now? Or, or a year ago, whenever you started developing it, what 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 was that process like for you guys? Because I think that's real. That teaches us how we learn, how you guys are kind of going through that process to discover the need for or an opportunity for something like that. Yeah, you know, for years we've we've interacted with all kinds of shippers over the years, and, and not just shippers that are on our TMS. You know, we've got great relationships with large shippers that are not even on our TMS. Mm. Maybe they. You know, maybe they talk to us about benchmarking. Um, maybe they talk to us about uh, a consulting engagement or uh, maybe we run a procurement event for them. There's all of those little kind of one-offs. And we would constantly receive feedback from them of, man, I would love to unplug from this legacy system because I love what you guys are doing and, and kind of the trajectory of your company and the innovation that you're investing in. But I just can't unplug. Mm. And so, um, you know, our, our CEO, Frank McGuigan, uh, thought, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to, uh, to build something that allows them to plug in. And, and so there you have it, platform solutions. And um, it, it's been really successful in the first 12 months. And I, I have high hopes that this will be something that unlocks a lot of value for a lot of those shippers that, you know, five years ago, we just couldn't, couldn't uh, get them done couple. So what I hear you saying there, so we just listened to a segment of the market that we have a relationship with figure out what their needs are and find a way to execute it. It's all about the voice of the customer. And, and that's not, not only in this area, but, you know, the voice of the customer is so critical. And, you know, through the pandemic, we've done a lot of voice of the customer surveys just to make sure we're hearing, 
you know, where their needs are. Uh, and we're, we're asking open-ended questions like, where can we improve? Where should we invest? Uh, we've got a customer advisory board. We ask just those questions too. Where should we be investing? Uh, where are things that we should strengthen? And, and so we get a lot of different data points from a lot of different areas. Uh, and then something cool like TPS is, is, is built. It's interesting that, um, you, you know, I don't know if you know this, but my dissertation was on barriers to innovation in third-party logistics companies. And, uh, and so that was six years ago. So yeah. really before, although that was happening with EEI and some of the other things that were going on, it was well known that, man, the logistics industry as a whole tends to struggle with innovation. And I noticed something during probably one of the key findings that I discovered through my uh, research there is that some of the barriers to innovation happen to be uh, customer driven, uh, mainly because if you think about Transplace, how many customers do you guys have and how many uh, customized solutions do you have to have there for those customers? And before the advent of all the technology we have, man, that was a real struggle because there were so many different ways you had to serve customers. And so what, what do you, what were your kind of, what were the things you saw why the industry lagged for so long in innovative approaches? I, I think there's, um, there can be a uh, resistance to change. You know, change management is really important mm-hmm. uh, when you talk about innovation and, and taking on new, um, new functionality. We see that today um, across lots and lots of prospects and customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a fear of failure. And um, and so you need case studies and you need to show them where the value is. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you have to f- uh, pilot something. If you fail, you fail fast. Mm-hmm. And and so people want to see others go kind of before them a lot. And, uh, and so we see that uh, quite often here. And, um, you know, People get kind of stuck in their ways. Well, we've always done it this way. Well, mm-hmm. why? And, and I love your students when I interact with them because they're constantly asking why, mm-hmm. why, why. And, and I challenge my team a lot to do the five whys. Mm-hmm. Ask why we do this. Why do you do that? And um, and so there's a lot of that going on. Um, you know, why don't you want to adopt this? Well, why not? You know, this person. So, um, yeah, I, I would just say innovation is uh, is paramount. I, I made a list here because I assumed you were you were going to eventually talk about the things that shippers want the most. Yep. And so on my list, innovation is one of them. And they look for us for innovation, um, but they also want it to be as as risk free as possible. Which you know, who would blame them? These are career decisions for a lot of people. That's right. So let's pivot for a minute. Let's talk about Transplace. Okay. Transplace is an interesting company to me, and I remember the first time we met. You asked me to describe what type of company Transplace was. And I said, well, in my mind, it's a 4PL, and um, which to me has a different meaning than what a 3PL is. And so what is your assessment of that? Tell us a little bit about Transplace, who they are, what do you guys actually do, and what's your value add to the industry? Yeah, I remember that breakfast vividly about 18 months ago. Um, I, I often ask people that I'm not coming, coming uh, across before, you know, do you know about Transplace? Uh, if so, what do you know? And uh, you're the first person I think that's ever said, oh yeah, you're a 4PL. And, you know, whereas I think we have uh, relationships where I would absolutely say we're a 4PL, uh, I've historically thought of us as a 3PL. Now, you know, hang whatever mantra you want or, or moniker you want on Transplace. When I think of Transplace, 
I think of TransPlace as a logistics technology and services organization. Mm. Um, and so I don't really get too hung up on 4PL versus 3PL. You, you kind of challenged me on that. <laughs> uh, but, but certainly uh, it's technology and services kind of wrapped together, if you will. Uh, and, you know, lots going on here with um, TransPlace platform services. Um, you know, you asked about, you know, what shippers want. And I think shippers, there's a lot of things shippers want. But when I really boil that down, for the most part, it's speed, visibility, innovation, actionable insights, and continuous improvement. Mm. And, you know, actionable insights are something we focused a lot on because we sit on just a mountain of data. You know, it's one thing to sit on all that data. It's another thing to do something with it that drives, you know, improvement in a customer supply chain. And so we're really focused heavily on doing that. So that's been a big challenge for a lot of companies in this big data era, right? So, you know, it's, it's one thing to have it. It's another thing to actually be able to utilize it yeah. and take advantage of it to where maybe you can either gain those actionable insights or drive competitive advantages with it. What are some of the things that you guys maybe have unlocked that you can share with us that helps you understand that data and be able to aggregate it to the point where it's actually usable? So we created um, two years ago now a group called the Think Tank. Mm-hmm. It's, um, and it, it's, um, it's a group of logistics business analysts. Uh, the person that guides that group is Matthew Harding. He's, a, he's our chief data scientist. Uh, lots of uh, experience in this space. And so we are literally combing over customers' data constantly um, and formally meeting with customers to talk to them about what the data tells us and, and what we would do about it. You know, it's one thing to just report the news. You really want to tell them what you need to do about it or what we would do about it and, and what others have done about it. Uh, one way that we've really unlocked data that has driven just a tremendous amount of value for our customers is in the in the um, kind of space of continuous moves. Um you know, three years ago, if you'd have asked me about continuous moves, I would have probably chuckled and we'd have moved on. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I personally believe it's the most overpromised, under-delivered initiative in supply chain history. So I'm going to pause you for a minute for my students who are listening that may not understand what continuous moves are. Tell us what continuous moves are and then finish that, how that's changed. It's a, it's a huge capacity play. And so uh, today uh, we may have a shipper who has a, a shipping origin in Atlanta, and they've got 12 loads a week going to Chicago. You know, historically, when that truck empties out in Chicago, in our world, um, we lose completely visibility in, 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 in that capacity. With uh, continuous moves, you have them pick up in Atlanta, go to Chicago. But before they get to Chicago, hey, I've got a load for you in Chicago, ride back to Atlanta mm-hmm. or to some other point. But you're just tying it all together. Um, and it's when you have all these different shippers um, and then you have things like hours of service, uh, facility times, uh, infrastructure, you know, there's so many reasons that uh, continuous moves fail and it's hard work. Mm. And that's why it's been, you know, over promised, under delivered. Um, sure. We've talked about it for years. Like, hey, if you want to gain greater efficiencies, reduce carbon emissions, you take it. You don't want to ship empty space. Right. Exactly. So we want to get the, that off the road. But then yeah. the reality set in of how difficult that Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And we've tried to muscle through it just like many others have. We've tried to engineer it as many others have. It's it's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And so about two years ago, we partnered with um, 
an AI company, Noodle AI, mm-hmm. and they've they've watched and and had access to our data now for two years, and and it improves on itself. You know, the machine learns, and um, early on, you know, it was discovering millions of opportunities, mm-hmm. and more than you could wrap your mind around. Right. And as the machine learns, it gets better and better on the things it brings forward that you can execute on. And so we, we've done that in a big way. Like we're doing hundreds of thousands of those a year now. And three years ago, we weren't doing hardly at all. Uh, and it's driving savings for customers, which is fantastic. And the more customers that join, the more scale you have, the more continuous moves you can do. So that's, that's what I would call, um, the, di- um, dynamic continuous moves mm-hmm. with AI doing that in a big way. But then we acquired LaneHub in 2020 mm-hmm. and LaneHub has a great portfolio of customers and has a real muscle memory in this space for uh, static continuous moves. And so you put those two things together and, and you really unlocked continuous moves, which as you said, it's, it's great for capacity. It's great for service. Uh, there's a sustainability play there, which is really important to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm excited, you know, for years, I've tried to muscle through that, and now still, still, I would say not really easy, but it's certainly a whole lot more easy simply because of the data. So I'm thinking that you know you guys have multiple different types of customers. So you've got your shippers, but you also got your carriers you're working with. For sure. And I would imagine this is having a huge impact, not just on shippers, but also your carriers and filling up their capacity and, yeah. and getting their drivers home. <laughs> and so there's probably a lot of benefits that they're seeing out of that as well that yeah. make them even more dedicated and committed to working with you guys, I would think. Yeah, we, we certainly hope so. We've got a group that is you know, focused on just strategic care development. Mm-hmm. And, and our hope is that um, they kind of view us as, as somewhat of a one-stop shop, you know, a place that's got all this freight under management that they can provide a rate and capacity and we can partner with them. And so our, our hope is that we're making their lives easier. Uh, and, and that's been the feedback from, from the vast majority of carriers. After 2020, I'd say we need something to be easier. Don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2020 has been a hard year. Yeah, I want to no talk about that because, uh, you know, you come into my supply chain leadership class and you talk about the things you've learned about leadership over the years. And it's always such just great stories and just advice for students as they're developing into young leaders. Um, man, this year's just been just a curveball thrown to every leader, I think. What are some of the things that you've had to manage personally coming through this year that you thought, wow, this was really more difficult than I thought it'd be, but man, we really took advantage of, of the opportunities that presented itself as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a really tough year. Uh, you know, in the service industry, um, it's just it's just been tough. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm really proud of how we've come through it. You know, we're not out of the woods yet for, you know, for any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, I've, I've thought very um, much about being intentional on engagement with not only our customers, but our people and, and how can we touch our people more often and then get in front of them. And, and so we've done a lot of that to just try to stay more engaged with them. Um, our operators here are, um, in normal times are real road warriors. We're on the road a lot and we want to be in front of our customers uh, consistently. <clears throat> and, and so we've had to rethink how we, how we do that. Um, and, and technology like Zoom or Skype or GoToMeeting or, you know, name your favorite platform 
um, have really helped us enable that um, to, to get more intentional about engagement. So there, there's been that. And then, you know, you take all those people off the road, you know, the hope is that they've spent that wasted time on, you know, planes, you know, going through TSA, like all the, all the stuff that it requires to get somewhere, you know, that's, that's a lot of wasted time. And so you're hopeful that they're taking that time to really assess their business, look for places where they can drive more value for our customers, but, but also don't forget about our people because they're the most important thing uh, that drives the engine. I thought when I thought when you were talking about the uh, you'll have to refresh my memory the team that kind of gets together to look at the data and uh, think tank think tank that's it um, I was hearing out of that there's all this data we're getting and it's pushing up all these opportunities but people still have to look at that and make decisions on how we're going to serve our shippers and customers and things like that so there's really this balance and we talk about this between yes we want technology we want to push the ai the machine learning and all the things that are going there but man it's still a people business right for sure can for you talk sure. about that and so kind of what those that interaction has looked like for transplace yeah when i think about transplace you know it's people process and technology and um in my mind people is, is mentioned first for a reason mm -hmm. it is it is what drives the engine and you can have you can have all the data in the world. You can have all the technology in the world. You still need um, people to assess what's going on, people to you know communicate with our customers, build those relationships that stand the test of time. Um, and so, you know, really important. And um, and certainly we're we're focused on uh, leadership development, uh, talent management. You know, I just did my 2021 goals, and uh, inside of those goals are all types of things around talent management, recruitment, um, leadership development, training, all of that. And so it's, it's, uh, it's a huge part of what Transplace does. And, uh, and certainly I'm focused on it as, as is my team. So we talked about innovation and, and kind of Transplace is pushing the boundaries there as, as much as you guys can. Um, we've seen there's a lot of ways to kind of approach innovation. And so I can develop internally and cultivate that, invest internally. But in 2020, you guys had three big major acquisitions, right? We and did. so you've already mentioned one with Lane Hub, but then you've also got Scan Data and you, you acquired Lingor. And um, uh, I'm probably more familiar, most everyone is more familiar with Lingor than the other two. Uh, but talk about the different approaches to innovation for you guys. And, um, how that internal innovation kind of blends with the acquisition kind of strategy that you guys have had and what has this done for you? Yeah, you know, um, I would say not a day goes by that I'm not talking to someone about innovation um, because there's so much emerging technology out there that it's daunting to stay on top of. And, and as you mentioned, we had three acquisitions in 2020. That's probably our 11th acquisition in the last decade. Hmm. Um, and, and there's a real purpose to each of those acquisitions. It's not just, hey, let's go plug in as many. It's not that at all. It's where can we build um, build a product that we may not already have? Um, you know, you saw that early on in our acquisitions with the acquisition of SEO Logistics and LMS. Those are both heavily uh, chemical, 3PLs, you know, and so that built a vertical for us that we weren't really in before. And today, the chemical verticals 
probably our second largest vertical mm. uh, behind consumer packaged goods. Uh, or the second reason we would do an acquisition is to strengthen an area that would drive value for our customers. And so I think uh, these three in 2020 did just that. So, you, you know, the first one we did was Lane Hub. We did that in January of 2020. And I've already talk, talked about kind of what they brought to the table from a dynamic continuous move standpoint. And it's been a great complimentary fit uh, with our customer base and, and their customer base. And then uh, about midway through the year, uh, we acquired Scan Data, and that's a parcel management organization uh, based in Texas. And and so if you think about what 2020's done to us, it's it's kind of accelerated the need uh, for parcel management and you know how consumers want to consume product and and you know almost just in time, you know, for the first time ever, I did all my Christmas shopping online, mm-hmm. you know. I would have never thought I would have ever done that. And I think most everyone did that. And so parcel management, uh, the timing of that acquisition was pretty important to us uh, and has integrated really well into into our uh, into our system. And then the last one, as you mentioned, was LeanCore uh, late summer 2020. And, you know, when I think about LeanCore, their their tagline was, we teach, we consult, we do. Mm-hmm. And and that was just a great addition to uh, to what we're doing because we already had a consulting arm. This certainly strengthens that. Uh, but they also, you know, they're very heavily focused on lean manufacturing and teaching. And we're a Six Sigma shop, lean Six Sigma shop. Um, it's actually one of the reasons I came to Transplace because of our Six Sigma uh, principles and methodology. And um, and that was just a natural fit, lean manufacturing with lean core and teaching. Mm-hmm along with our Lean Six Sigma uh, approach, it was just a, it was a very good fit. And so those, those three acquisitions have been really, really important. I don't think that ends the acquisition uh, train for us. I think we're constantly looking for ways to build out a, a, an area that we're, you know, need to build out or improve our product to, to drive value for customers. Uh, but yeah, 11 or so, maybe, <clears throat> maybe 12 in the last 10 years. Uh, that's a lot of acquisitions and, uh, one thing we talk about is one transplace mm-hmm. and probably no surprise to you, you know, you acquire uh, a company and, you know, you want to get them integrated and on board and up to, you know, up to speed as soon as you can to get the value. Um, but there's also the blend of cultures and technology and people. And, and so, you know, that's, that's been a challenge, but I think one we've overcome pretty well. I, I think the team that does acquisitions has done a great job of kind of vetting people's culture mm. to make sure it's a match. The last thing we want to do is get a mismatch on culture and then uh, that would not go well. And, and so we've done a great job of doing that. Well, like I said, I'm not as familiar with the uh, the first two uh, as far as Lane Hub and Scan Data, but knowing Robert Martichinko at LeanCore and, sure. and, and kind of how he's motivated. And, and so it's not surprising me to see you, you two guys be a good fit as far as culture. Yeah, he's got a great team. I've interacted with a lot of his senior leaders there. Uh, I've interacted with Robert. They're, they're uh, good people mm. uh, from up there in Florence, Kentucky. When I get on the call, I'm, I'm always like Florence, y'all, and <laughs> they know what I'm talking about, but no one else has a clue what I'm talking about. So they, they've been a good fit. So you brought up two things that I actually think, uh, in the minds of many people, stand uh, kind of an oxymoron working together, right? So it's this kind of idea about e-commerce, these parcels. We're trying to get things to directly to people, and and it certainly has reshaped the way shippers are thinking about their supply chains in many ways. Uh, it's probably thinking about changing the way you guys have to think about service in some of those 
uh, channels of distribution. We think about this advent of omni-channel, but then we have 2020 and everything that exploded and people are like, we can't do lean anymore. And I'm like, I don't think you understand what lean means. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I've asked this to a couple of guests on the podcast, but I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on it as a, as a lean Six Sigma advocate. Uh, is lean dead? I mean, because that's been some of the things that we've heard and I'm like, Let's talk about this because I don't think that's necessarily just low inventory is not all there is to lean. And so what are your thoughts about that and how those two actually intersect uh, with e-commerce omnichannel and thinking about it from a lean perspective? That's a great question. You know, before I came to Transplace, I, I became a uh, Six Sigma black belt. And so continuous improvement, the elimination of waste, improved cycle time, that's all the all really uh, near and dear to my heart. So I would say absolutely not dead and and i don't think it's debatable uh you know everyone's busy the world's changing as we know it but there's always a need for continuous improvement or um you know removing waste from from some process and and we talk about it a lot you know efficiency is something that probably not a day goes by that, that i'm not talking to someone about you know how can we do this more effectively and efficiently and so, you know, one way to attack that is to uh, deploy a black belt or deploy someone from Lean Core to really look at processes, end-to-end processes. You know, we don't want to display in the transportation space, you know, the best relationships we have are where we have a greater, wider visibility of the supply chain to try to drive efficiencies, not only for ourselves, uh, but for our customers. So. 100% not dead, uh, something we're focused on a lot. And, and I think you have to make time for it. I mentioned being intentional about engaging with customers and, and, and our people. I think you got to be intentional about this, too, and really have plans around it and, and stick to those. So one of the things I, I kind of wanted to ask you about in general. Um, so you guys have won several awards i was trying to pull some of them up here but you've won shrewd you've won uh, i mean yeah i turn around and look at the wall here and there's all these awards right here <laughs> like top 70 3po providers from food logistics and so you can see the different spaces that you guys work in uh you've won a, a green sustainability award from the epa and i actually wanted to talk about that for a minute um because sustainability is not something i mean there's a lot that we can do as an organization internally but I would imagine from a company like Transplace that you talked about that end-to-end mm-hmm. kind of approach. That's something that has to be done and collaborated with in partnership with shippers and carriers as well. And so for me, when I talk to my students about this, I'm like, you can't look at sustainability just in a vacuum. Here, supply chain sustainability runs the full yeah. systemic out of the ground back through the reverse process that we talk about at the end of the of the uh, life cycle of the product. How are you guys thinking about that? What is it that makes you guys win these green awards and, and are so focused on sustainability there? So I think we have a, a great vantage point on this topic. And, and, you know, we've talked a lot about this recently. Um, there's, there are a lot of different levers we can pull um, to drive, um, sustainability, reduced carbon footprint. You know, one is mode conversion. Seems pretty obvious, but, you know, you'd be surprised at the number of um, truckload orders that come our way that could be converted to intermodal simply because of lead time or uh, service requirements. Um, There's also our optimization engine 
you know, that's sort of where a lot of it starts for us is we receive all these orders and then we put them in our optimization engine and it produces a better outcome. And so instead of shipping all these multiple LTLs or less than, you know, full truckloads, we can combine those using our optimization engine and that'll drive sustainability. Uh, there's things like, um, you know, dedicated fleets and, and maybe it's a, um, it's a, it's a, I think into the future, maybe it's a autonomous truck that's handling a dedicated fleet and, and there's sustainability uh, to be said, you know, along those lines. Um, it's, it's, I talked about um, intermodal conversion, so truckload to uh, intermodal, but all along those different modes, there's, you know, you can move from parcel to LTL, LTL to truckload and, and so on and so forth. All of that drives sustainability. And so, we're trying to capture all that in our system and report it out in quarterly business reviews to customers. Uh, and for a long time, during my time at Transplace, it was mostly our consumer packaged goods customers that were talking about this. Um, now it's it's literally everyone, mm. and certainly large manufacturers. When I think about our manufacturing vertical, all of it's important to them. You know, most of them have a diversity program. And they have a sustainability program. And if you are a huge part of, of those, mm. you can't do business with them. I mean, it's like the basic table stakes for entrance. And so we're, we're pretty focused on both of those. There's two things I want to talk about there before we wrap up today. But um, uh, you talk about collaborating with industry partners. I know you guys are constantly putting out research reports, uh, looking ahead, really scanning the industry. You're partnering with the University of Arkansas on research projects and kind of thinking about that. Um, what is it that kind of drives that for you guys? Because you're you're constantly in this place of, hey, we're 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 scanning, we're searching, we're we're kind of looking for what's coming. Is that just part of the DNA, or is that just competitive survival right now because of the way the market is? And so, what what do you think? So, I think it's part of the DNA. You know. Um, we, we produce a weekly market report, um, and we've been doing that since 2014, probably. The polar vortex in 2014 is really what kicked that into high gear. You know, we felt like most of the industry got caught somewhat flat-footed in 2014 just from a, you know, what's going on in the market standpoint. And so we, we never wanted to get caught flat-footed. And uh, it really helped us survive years like 2018 with the hurricanes mm. and, you know, even 2020 because we've educated our shippers more so than ever. And this topic is in the boardroom now. And so uh, myself, many of my peers have talked to many C-level uh, people at all of our shippers about, you know, what's going on in the marketplace. And so we're just trying to stay on top of that uh, as much as we can across all modes. You know, this report, I'll have to send you a copy of it. It's, it's 40 pages long and it covers bulk, uh, liquid, truckload, dry van, reefer, LTL. I mean, you name it. Uh, it's pretty all encompassing. And, and I think our shippers appreciate it. And, uh, I do know if it shows up late, uh, we send it out on Wednesday. And if we're late, people are pinging us wanting to know where it is because I think they're using it to, uh, to tell their leaders kind of what's going on in the space. So there's all that. And then you mentioned collaboration. I do think that's just in our DNA. Um, we, we believe that collaboration uh, drives a lot of value for us with partners like yourself, also with, um, with our customers. 
um, used to, you know, you would see competitors say in the consumer package vertical, um, not collaborating with each other. Today, that seems to be out the door. Hmm. People are uh, collaborating more and more, even with competitors, uh, because those who find the capacity win. And so we're seeing tons of that. We have a, an annual CPG summit that we just hosted. It's the 11th year we've done that. And you've got all kinds of competitors in the room. And they're sharing lessons learned and best practices. And they're having follow-up calls with each other. We're doing that same thing in the chemical vertical. And so um, I just think collaboration is, is one way to win. And um, it's certainly not lost on us. We do a lot of it. So let's talk about uh, the other uh, aspect of what you just mentioned, and that's this diversity inclusion initiatives that that you guys have going. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate of where I'm at because University of Arkansas, we're focusing a lot on this right now. And um, and we've seen you guys be very purposeful in it's not just a tagline for you guys. It's actionable in how you're thinking about talent, how you're recruiting talent, how you're building your organization. Can you talk about what that has meant for you guys and, and, and why it's so critical to have a inclusive and diverse workforce? Yeah, it's, it's super critical um, and, and something we're absolutely focused on. Uh, we've had training around this topic. Uh, you've seen how we recruited. Um, to me and, and to the organization, uh, we're looking for the best talent. Mm. Simple as that and, and, and period. Um, and, and so we're thinking, we're thinking about how we recruit, where we recruit, um, and, and, you know, we're watching it closely and we want to be a diverse and inclusive work, workplace and a, and a place that people want to work. And so, you know, who doesn't, but we're, we're so focused on that. You know, I'll give you a great example. Yesterday was MLK day and, uh, in 2021, um, we have created a new PTO day that anyone in the organization can use. Um, for things just like MLK Day. Mm. You know, they can take it off to celebrate their culture, their history. Uh, you can take it anytime during the year. You can, you can take it to do something to give back to your community. There's a lot of ways it's up to the employee at their discretion on how they use it, but it's really to remind people that uh, we live in a diverse uh, workforce and uh, we want to be very inclusive. And so that's just one simple reminder of uh, two people that, uh, that we're really focused on it. Uh, but again, um, thinking through how we recruit, best talent wins, end of story. Like right. that's, that's how we really want to think about this. And so I imagine this really does kind of feed into the culture of innovation that you guys have, kind of that forward thinking. And I actually wanted to ask about this, you know, with a lot of the changes that we're seeing with technology and, and have the skills that are required to be successful in supply chain changed over the last 20 years or so. And so what does it take to be successful in this industry today? Um, there's a lot of ways you could answer that. You know, I, I get asked that question a lot by your students when I'm interviewing them for our PDP program or, or internships or, and gosh, Donnie, there's probably 10 different ways to answer that. But the way I usually answer that is, you know, I don't think it's just what makes you successful in supply chain, although I think it's important. I think this is what makes you successful in all avenues of life. And, and one is humility. Mm. I think humility is really important. Uh, it helps you navigate through tough, tough situations. It helps build relationships. Um, 
And so humility is where I would typically start. The second one is an intellectual curiosity. Why does it work this way? Why do we do it this way? You know, always asking those types of questions. You know, the person that wants to take a watch apart just to see how it works and then put it back together, like intellectual curiosity, really important. And then the third one is just, uh, and it seems pretty obvious, but I think it's just work ethic. Mm. Uh, your students have heard me say before that, you know, we, we both, we, we both um, come from the same area of the country. You may be better looking than me. You may have more money than me. Uh, you may be more successful than me, but if we both get on a treadmill, you're going to, you're going to stop first because mm-hmm. um, I'm going to outwork you. And, and I think, you know, you got to be thinking about work ethic. But, you know, there's things like, you know, leaning into hard situations. And, um, you know, the last time I spoke with your class on leadership, I talked about um, success is always found in a pile of failures. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got to have a short memory and learn from those mistakes, fail fast and move on. So I love that this bridges really nicely to my real last question for you. And you know, and you and I talked about this a little bit, but I, I force my students to listen to these, whether they want to or not, right? So it's part of their assignments. But I want to give Mark McIntyre uh, 60 seconds. Stand up on your uh, box. We won't call it a soapbox, but stand it up on your platform. And you got 60 seconds to say, whatever you want to, to the next generation of supply chain talent coming up, or even students who are considering this industry, uh, what would you say to them? And, and what kind of advice would you give them as they get started in their careers? So the first thing I would say is um, it's such a great industry um, and it's, it's underappreciated in so many ways. I mean, everything you touch every day came through the supply chain. Mm-hmm. And, and no day is, is the same. I'm sure you hear this from a lot of speakers. I mean, every day is different, has a different set of opportunities, a different set of challenges. And I, and I personally love that. Mm. Um, I talked about the technology renaissance. That's exciting. That's really exciting for, for me, but this new generation. And then just, you know, advice, I would say, uh, be a sponge. Soak up as much knowledge, information. Come to um, shadow days. Um, and then lastly, I often talk about go out and find mentors. The fact of the matter is mentors are going to find you. Mm. I've got three that I always point to throughout my career. They were all at different stages in my career. I wasn't looking for them as a mentor. They just happened to become my mentors. Mm. And so I think early on in our PDP program, we actually assign formal mentors when they start. And I think that's really important. Um, but that doesn't have to be the only mentor you have. Um, and, and not, you know, they're not all formal mentorships. Mm. Um, I think mentoring is really important. I try to do as much of it as I can. Um, and I, I think when that mentor finds you as a student or as, you know, someone young in their career, uh, that, that's going to be wildly beneficial to them for years. And so, you know, I'm not sure that was 60 seconds, but uh, be a sponge and, okay. uh, and seek out mentors. Well, Mark, I think that's incredible advice for our students. And so I just want to thank you personally for our relationship, your continued partnership with the university and uh, your support of our students and our program. And I also want to thank you for this epic discussion. A special thanks to our audience for taking the time to listen. And on behalf of the Walton SCMRC, we are delighted to lead with you as we learn, engage, address, and develop all things supply chain to lead the world of commerce from Northwest Arkansas. Have a great day.